0: Hello and thank you for listening to episode 33 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave and in this interview show I'm joined by Chris. Hello. Hello everybody. And we're going to talk to somebody who you've seen live this year and put a review up on our website too.
1: Yes I did and uh, just to give people, well they can go and read the review but I'll just fill them in on, on how I came to know about John. Yes. We watched, uh, we both watch video game nation and we both really enjoy it. It's a, it's a cracking show. It's on challenge TV, 10 AM on a Saturday morning. I think series three has just finished, but uh, series four will be out next year. And, um, so found out about John. He's on the show. He's one of the co-hosts and he's, he's very good. He's very entertaining. He's very funny. Um, and so started to find out a little bit more about him, found out he's a stand-up comedian. So, Found out he was coming to Wolverhampton. Brilliant. Um, Got some tickets, went onto the website, found out where the venue was, expecting it to be somewhere like the Civic Centre, the Civic Hall, uh, you know, or a pub or a club or something. It was just an address, literally an address. And I thought, okay, that's the address of the the place, you know, the pub, club, wherever. Um, Took a drive down there a few days before the show because I didn't know exactly where it was. And I looked on Google Maps, couldn't find it. And it was somebody's house. And And I said to my wife, I remember saying to my wife, this... This can't be right. You know, this is this, is, this is somebody's house. What the fuck? You know, and then so anyway, um, the day of the venue went with my friend, Wayne, and um, we we got down there. We got a taxi there, and there was like a, literally a, a little sign, like a sandwich board, outside this person's house, John Robertson show um, coming in. Tickets available. You know, this is it he's like on somebody's drive. So thinking what the hell, you know, we're going to expect here. We're we're going to walk into the house and somebody's going to murder us or something like that. Um, and then, so we went in and, uh, he was there he he was like wandering around the house you know i'm thinking holy shit he's on the telly you know he's on tv and, and, and there he is he's walking around the house and he, and the best way i can describe it uh and i've said this a few times now is it was literally like going to a house a party you know when i was a kid when i was a teenager you know you just turn up at some random person's house you don't know who they are you don't know where anybody is you go with your friend a friend of a friend's heard of you know somebody's got a party let's go and it was in this this guy's kitchen and we sat there there were it was full you know it's quite a big kitchen he'd set up a little bar uh, the host had there he was selling cans of cider for a quid uh, you know you could buy beer or shots and everything and then john did his incredible show uh, let's redecorate was the first half of the show um and then he did the second half of the show which is um this uh, just incredible you know, kind of a, a, a live video game, um, is the best way I, I can describe it. You know, it's called the dark room and it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And obviously. Then I had a chat with him and said, oh, I thought it was amazing. I was a bit pissed at that point as well. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, was it one too many ciders there? Chris? It was a few. Well, we had a few beforehand. We went to the pub. I seem to remember as well. I had an argument with my wife before we went out. <laughs> so, so I was on uh, hiding into nothing. I was getting pissed that night. I didn't give a shit. Um, And so I said to him, I'll, I'm, you know, part of 60 minutes with a podcast. I'll write a review because I really liked it. And he was just such a gracious guy because when he's on stage, he's, uh, it's almost like a bit of a persona to a certain extent. You know, he's, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's not him, but there's an act, you know, there's obviously an act there, but he's you could look at him as being a little bit scary because he's got this booming voice and he shouts a lot and he walks around a lot you know and he stomps around but then when you actually speak to him one to one and i bought a t-shirt off him as well i should say um he's such a gracious nice man you know just really kind um spent time with us taking photographs and just just listening to us talk and you know being in awe of him a little bit uh, and says oh you know we'd love you to come on the show and then one thing's led to another, and here we are. So that, that's that's my little story of how I met John Robertson.
0: That's it, and he's played in so many different places. Like you say, you you saw him in this kitchen, but he's played the biggest stages. He goes, he tours all over the world.
1: It's he, it's incredible. He's, he's been everywhere. I mean, you know, and and like it's incredible. You know, he's he's been to Amsterdam, Bahrain, Australia, Hong Kong, Croatia, Serbia. It, it's just incredible really how he's i'm surprised he's not um this is no disrespect to him but i'm surprised he's not on a bigger stage shall we say you know don't get me wrong he's incredibly busy you know he's fully booked constantly all the time you know with stages and he's obviously on tv but you know in my opinion i think he uh he deserves to be on a on a bigger stage than he already is
0: definitely and uh we will do all that we can to uh get him there as well yeah 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 Well, until that point, then, I think you've whetted the listeners' appetites there, mate. Uh, Until then, obviously, just uh, sit back, relax, and get comfortable as myself and Chris spend 60 minutes or more with John Robertson.
2: Hello, lads. Hey. Hello. Hello. Just give me a second. I'll set up the nice microphone.
0: No problem. Cool.
2: Great, great. How are you? Very well. Yeah, yeah, we're good.
1: Good. Just saying saying to Dave... um, I don't know, since like we found out that you were coming on about a week ago. I've been dead nervous. I don't know why. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> let,
2: let the fear flow through you, boy. Um, give me a minute. Ah, oh, here we go. What do we? Oh, okay, let's just see if that works, and then I'll get the headphones in and all that. Give me a sec. Yep. Oh,
0: Ooh, it's gone quiet. Hang on. Oh oh, 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 now it sounds clear. Yeah, give
2: give us a second there, lads. Ah, uh, Yeah, there we are. That's a nice mic. That's wow, a, that is a good mic. That, wow. That's a
0: very good one. That sounds sexy.
2: Good, 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 good. Uh, hang on. Shit, now I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. All right, done. Okay, so what to do? What to do? Where do we go? Thank, well, thanks yeah, for joining us. Where do we go now? Well. Let me... Uh, <laughs> Let me tell the kids I'm leaving Facebook. Oh no, good, good. Uh, that's done. <laughs> nothing. No instant messaging programs up. Nothing of any any concern or value. <laughs> All right.
0: Great. <laughs> thanks, John. Thanks for thanks for spending some time with us this evening. No trouble. No yeah, trouble. Yeah, I, I'm not. You. I'm nowhere near you. I'm,
2: if any anything, anything,
0: I'm <laughs> spending it. time alone with <laughs> extra noise. Is that? Are, are we in a safe zone? Are we okay?
2: Oh, I don't know if we're in a safe zone. I don't like the idea of us being in a safe zone. No, this, this is not this is not some safe space in which people shouldn't feel maligned. Um,
0: Should you I'll, at least give us a safe word, just in case?
2: Uh, well, the the problem is that they're really easy to ignore. Um, <laughs> like you you probably shouldn't ignore them but it, it it's interesting like when someone negotiates for a safe word it's one of those moments that's completely reasonable and also totally takes you out of what you're doing <laughs> like like I was going to I was going to tie up a girl once and then she said to me okay but if i if i open my palm like 3 times in a row you know like in a in a sort of you know exploding motion uh then then you know you must untie me cuz i was going to gag her and i was like Ah oh, well, now I don't feel like doing anything. <laughs> now killed, I'm like, oh no, she's going to do the weird hand thing, you know. <laughs> or, but then also, you're like, oh, okay, so so what do I do? Do I do I push you until until that happens, and then and then, and then like I've, I've never like when somebody has a sort of grabbing motion with their palm, I've never felt terrible about making it happen, but. <laughs>
0: You know what I mean? It sounds almost like a challenge right Yeah, from the yeah well, that's,
2: yeah. that's the thing, you know. It's like, okay, so because surely the idea is to, well, we're, we're pushing limits and we're all having a, you know, a heady, engaging sensory experience. But if your hand's just going to explode like a sort of shit flesh firework um, <laughs> and that's how we know it's over, then, okay, it, I don't know. This is the problem with aesthetics occasionally. <laughs> I, I was talking to somebody earlier about how I can't, I can't handle it when, like, during sex, someone puts on music. If the music has lyrics in it, I, I, that really bothers me. <laughs> I, st- I, pay a lo- I start paying a lot of attention to the lyrics. It's, it's not, not helpful.
0: What would be the worst song that somebody could put on while you were having sex?
2: Well, the worst one, uh, the worst one I think I heard uh, was a song by the folk singer Loud and Wainwright, uh, and it's called I'm All Right. And and yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a blues song. She so goes, woke up this morning, didn't feel that bad. Last night was definitely not one of the worst I've ever had. Like, and it it, it all the li- all the lines are densely packed. And she didn't know the song, so she thought it was great. And I knew it, and it was a novelty single. So <laughs> I was just like, oh man, you uh, know. The uh, I, I'll tell you, the, the soundtrack to Kill Bill Volume One has seen me through many. <laughs> Any really active evening. (laughs) (laughs) Round about the time Green Hornet comes on. All those horns right there. And then uh, then that that segues into the really long version of Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, which is what we're trying to do with sex anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. You don't then surely feel under pressure to keep up with the beat, do you?
2: No, oh God, no, no! I, I the first time, the first time I slept with someone and uh, and music came on, I I I accidentally fell into the beat. And that, <laughs> the problem is, I think we both became aware of that, so that was a, bit of a shame. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, no, no, I, I was talking, yeah, like I, I was I was just walking around a park with a friend of mine earlier, and I realised that the the sort of music that I want to listen to. Like, because I never put on music when I'm having sex. I just, you know, the lights are down and I'm talking and we're doing stuff and there's noises and, you know, there's so much stuff going on anyway. I don't necessarily have something extra that needs to be, f- you know, filled with, you know, just some noise, right? Like I could put on the Star Trek Enterprise background hum. You know, <laughs> that'd be good. 24 hours of the Enterprise D going, <laughs>
3: very
2: pleasant have that going on and block out the world. Uh, but as as it turns out ambient ambient techno well techno remixes of goth songs that's pretty good. But the but the goth songs that have that kind of oh, vocals over them that's you know <laughs> kind of aspirational and dancey but you don't really want to dance to it. You, you, yeah, just just the, whatever music gets you hard I suppose, whatever.
0: <laughs> music you can fact. <laughs> I feel like I need to re watch Star Trek now and just watching it in an entirely different light. Well, yeah, yeah, you want to watch,
2: you want to watch The Next Generation and you'll, uh, you'll pretty swiftly figure out that it, most of it's appalling. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I didn't realize as a kid, for instance, how revoltingly sexual Commander Riker was. And he, because he always, he, he was of great charm to me because he couldn't act. That was the best thing about Jonathan Frakes was that he had this kind of, I'm, um, I'm, he could smirk, and then he could look kind of smirky and amazed, and then he could look a bit stern, and that's, uh, that was his full range. But we forgave him because he looked so much like my father, and of course, when you're a child, your parents have never performed any sexual act in your mind, uh, even if you know what sex is, they've never done it, and they never will. Uh, <laughs> I, like so many of my generation, was I was immaculately conceived. They didn't even they don't know what it is. When my mother hears the term moisture or wetness. It has no no hideous connotation for her, none whatsoever. She's dry as the Sahara and has been her whole life untouched. In a nunnery now. Where she should be. But Riker looked like my dad, so at no point did I notice. Uh, and I saw every episode when I was about, you know, about twelve, and I had, I just had no idea that there were just episodes where it's like, oh, and here comes a new female alien, and he just looks her up and down like I'm gonna eat you, and <laughs> and then does like every time. This just, I don't know. He he gave me he he gave me a hope that all, all just. Okay, you know you know when someone's movie star handsome and then somebody's like TV star handsome.
3: Mhm.
2: Riker is TV star. <laughs> he he's one of those people. It's it's like the guy from Castle who used to be on Firefly, Nathan Fillion. And you always see him and you go, "Jesus, you'd be, you know, imagine what you'd look like if you just weren't born like that. Imagine, mate." <laughs> you know, and also occasionally don't have a sweet roll with dinner, you know. He's all he's just a bit is just a bit bigger and a bit less cut and a bit quirkier looking than yeah. a conventional movie star, which is perfect. You know, that's great. That's an attainable kind of handsome. People love that, or seem to, in the case of Commander <laughs> Riker. Is this Riker with beard or without that? Oh, with beard, with beard. With uh, beard. The Riker, well, yeah, I mean, the Riker, when he when he doesn't have the beard, that, that, that's a handsome gentleman. You know, you, you look at him and you go, oh, that's, that's a nice-looking guy. The minute he has the beard, he has an engaging set of flaws. And then people like him. Like, I've always, uh, I've just, I've tried to describe how I look many, many times. And uh, for a time, I was rocking a look that I called "fun size Oliver Reed," Uh, (laughs) because you know, standing at a not entirely imposing five foot eight, I, uh, I realised that my head shape is remarkably like Oliver Reed's, and the general aggression uh, that I exhibit quite often is quite similar. (laughs) Uh, to Bill Sykes, and the fact that Oliver Reed as a child used to terrify me, because curiously enough, he also looks like my father. But if my father was angry all the fucking time, <laughs> which he had to be, his wife was a nun, a dry Sahara nun. Very upset, sad scabbing on the foreskin. Anyway, uh, he, yeah. Uh, and another, time, so yeah, there was the the size all of a read, and then I at one point described myself as looking like someone who women liked because I I'd let you eat a pie, you <laughs> know what I mean? I I looked like someone like you knew you could have fun with me because I didn't look like I was going to be particularly hung up. About like, oh i am I'm so naughty, I'm having some ice cream. I am like just have the fucking ice cream. How wonderful <laughs> I'd like some ice cream, we'll have ice cream together. Hooray. <laughs>
0: yeah, How are you? Doing all right? Yeah, we're we're good. It would be it would be usually at this point in the call where we'd go, Okay, you can you know you can say whatever you want and it, ah. anything we want to bring up and we'd go well we're not recording yet It's all right we can we can go on but you know what fuck it this is the start of the show and it has been oh, good. Good. for, for <laughs> quite a while now <laughs> yeah gee fuck i hope so I yeah. let's just let's just roll with it oh this this perfectly
2: good conversation ruined if it doesn't have a commercial purpose exactly got to got to record everything That's That's worked It worked for nixon it worked so well <laughs> What a complete genius. What, a, what, an, what an odd thing to do as well. There was no reason whatsoever that anything happening in the White House during the Nixon years needed to be taped.
0: Wow. Yeah. I have know. no idea.
2: You know, we're going to break... We're going to burglarise the Democrats' headquarters. Oh, well, let's have a tape indicating the president knows about it. <laughs> what, what an odd document. Why would you... Like, you know, at
0: all. Very, very strange.
2: Anyway, so have we have we begun, have we? Is we, this all? we
0: have begun. Like, Excellent. That's have, good. We will just keep rolling, John. Thank rolling you. Rolling is good. So yes. Rolling's always good. A big, big fan. <laughs> so, gentlemen, yes ah uh, yes chris go on i mean let's we've no need to stay in any sort of um I don't know, form form or chronological genre. order or anything we can just go free form we will just hang on to your coattails john because we we know oh, we, not, we'll just try and keep up with you
2: <laughs> ah this is what, what a fun full-length musical we have uh, <laughs> <ourselves upon. laughs> oh but gentlemen,
1: gentlemen. We, you're talking about um <laughs> you, you know your parents never have sex i was never. Thinking, i was i was drawn back to that time as an adolescent you know as a child when i happened to sort of like be rummaging around the uh, the drawers in my mom and dad's bedroom and happened to come across some some magazines that i didn't quite oh. understand oh, and really? and, that, and that was a, a wake-up call from childhood thinking what these are in my dad's drawer what's going on here these are huh? there's there's naked women
2: <laughs>
3: there's...
1: is is that all they
2: were were they, were they just nude well or, were they, the, what were they doing
1: they uh, they look quite happy. There was a oh that's of, uh, good. So they were smiling
2: at and naked. But like were then they were they in a series of woodland scenes or uh, on a it's, boat or something?
1: There was there was some um, so, so, some scenes where they were actually in the the, the greenery and the grass and they sort of like you know they're posing. You know the typical kind of flake advert type thing. But oh
2: yeah, but but nude. No, they but got no. there. And oh, so. Was the when where was the flake? Was that somewhere in there? <laughs> it was a twirl. A twirl would be a lot more practical for your purpose. There's two of them for a start. <laughs> they, you know, they have that advantage over the over the flake, which is that they have a covering. Um, the
1: f- <laughs> I think it's more like a Toblerone, to be honest with you. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's made up of joints, you fool. <laughs>
2: I mean, what really? I don't know if the Toblerone's a shape that you want to have in you from any angle. It's, it is, it is made up entirely of angles, and then it just breaks off into separate bits. That'd be terrible because you'd be left there with the uh, what? What? What's the white stuff that's in Toblerone? What is
1: that? Who knows?
2: You, you, you know what I mean? You know the the little ah oh dear, can can't for the life of me. If, if you were going to shove a chocolate bar in any orifice, I would suggest. The, the twirl, I mean, perfectly, nicely rounded, slightly ridged, got a good filling there. A Mars boat just melt and be useless. <laughs> as thick as it is. Thick and veiny and small and disappointing. But, you know, a twirl, get a few of them together. <laughs> a pack of about six. Um, I, I did watch. I did watch in the last, in the last few days. I did in, in a bit of downtime. I did happen upon... A piece of pornographic material that, uh, if the magazines confused you when you were a boy, you'd have been baffled by these moving pictures I saw, um, which was two. It it promised it the, the video title promised me that two uh, gothic lesbians uh would would fuck each other, you know, would have. <laughs> and I, I thought how tremendous, and I, I put it on. And they looked. It was a great piece of you know footage because it looked it looked authentic, with the exception of the fact that camera work was happening and it was shot in HD. And but they they put on they put on a bit of like goth dance music in the background, hadn't been overdubbed, and I thought that, that was great. And the girls looked remarkably like they'd just come back from clubbing, which was wonderful. But there was this one detail which just <laughs> took me out of it entirely, and I just. Looked on in amazement for about 45 seconds, which was the moment where I realised, well, hang on, wait, that's not, that's not a dildo. That's not any sex toy I recognise. Rather long, thin, candy striped object that should... And it's two sticks of rock. (laughs) It's two sticks of fucking Blackpool rock. And you go, oh, the fucking English. You don't just trick you bastards any chance. Any chance to get a bit of picture postcard nonsense in? <laughs> oh, right. And and then what happens is one girl one girl uses it on the other, and then puts it in her mouth and says something like, "Oh, it tastes better," you know. And they, and they both giggle and they're like, "Oh, that that's charming." They're so clearly in love. And also, oh God, throw it out. <laughs> you know, I, I know. I I remember that move from when I was younger. I met a you know I met a girl. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was very lucky. I was 17. I had a one-night stand with a woman who was all of 22 and so enticingly and cosmically older. And uh, we met up at a party once, and I had, a, I had a lollipop, and she took my lollipop and put it in her mouth and then <laughs> gave it back to me. And I was not a smooth character. Uh, was, I went, oh, now it tastes of you. And she went, well, you didn't complain the first time. And I... <laughs> I had to agree that she was completely right. <laughs> this this crap attempt at rebellion I had, and it's like no, that's a good line. It was that was the same. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the same party where. Oh God, I met this I met this woman who I I met her. We were talking for a moment, and I I thought, oh, what a what a lovely looking person, and then she spoke to me at considerable length. And you notice how I just said it was a moment and then she clearly spoke at considerable length. It was a really long moment. Uh, I, I just hated what she was saying and I just thought, oh, what a terrible, terrible one. And then uh, out the back of this, because this was a sort of weird uh, nerd party, they had a slave auction. That's, that was, it, it really took a turn, that party. It was good. <laughs> uh, and two friends of mine, I had just, I had just stayed awake for 48 hours uh, to see if I could. So my, my sense of patience with people was pretty limited at the time. And I just remember that the slave auction was happening and I thought that that seemed a little bit weird. So I went back inside and then I came back out and I discovered that my friends Alistair and Liam had purchased this girl. And because we were such cloistered, middle-class shits, I mean, <laughs> Liam would have happily, you know, called himself a bohemian and an ass. He used to wear a sash. Used to walk around in a sash. Wonder why people were hitting him. Uh, they bought this girl. They bought the service of this girl who would come and clean Alistair's house and then Liam's house, uh, wearing a French maid's outfit. And I and this, I think this was considered to be a great bargain. And I was I was quite perplexed by this because I was like, "Do you get to sleep with her? I was Like, what you know, it just seemed like a completely unnecessary bit of a turn on and nothing. And also, Liam lived with his mother. It was clearly it was clearly unfair. I mean, he lived in a, you know, semi-detached two-bedroom house. Alistair lived in a fucking mansion, you know. I mean, did, did the girl have any idea how long she'd be at Alistair's house? Anyway, <laughs> all this went on, and whilst I was debating this, the woman that I'd met at the start of the party came up to me, and I found out that she'd come up to me because uh, totally blindsided me. I just heard the, I just heard a woman scream at me, which was, why didn't you bid on me? And then her fist connected with my face and uh, fell into the ground. <laughs> Great evening. And later on, later on because I, I felt so I felt so much like i had somehow let this person down, and I, I had no idea. like I'd done nothing. I, can't, I went over to apologize to her, and wouldn't you know, at that point, 52 hours awake, nope, I fell asleep. I fell asleep. I, I woke up in her boobs. I don't know. Really, I do know I wasn't there long. I know that. And I I know that the thing that woke me was her almost carry on like exclamation of Oh mother! <laughs> like that. that was that was
0: too much. Fair I much. have this feeling, John, that you've been to some rather good pies over the years. Oh, I don't
2: know. I think I think I've been to the kind of parties where everybody gets so bored that they go Oh, let's all go out the back and Oh, should we all sleep with each other? No, I think an unnecessary <laughs> trading system would be quite helpful right about now. Oh, good, good. You know. Because it wasn't like anyone was being paraded and like showing off their physical attributes or anything. It was all weirdly chaste and nerdy. You know, it's like I did. I once a year later, a year later, I went to a party, and I I don't know I I don't know if all the people involved are still going to these parties. Uh, but this one was good. This this was a party that we, while it wasn't technically an S and M party, it was S and M themed, right. And that that hyphen and themed just uh, I, you know it's made me and my girlfriend be like oh right and, and we went down there and I oh man oh yeah no yeah, yeah no I I remember I remember yeah yeah, yeah. I put the collar on that day <laughs> yeah no I I recall. And it, it, was, it was odd because it was like no one was seedy or even, even avert about what they wanted. It was like I, I got tied to some women and we all just had this really convivial conversation about video games or something. It's how young we were. And uh, eventually, I, I just remember this. this, this was that moment where finally, thank God I and my then girlfriend, we broke through the artifice of the evening. I turned around and she was snogging some guy and I thought, well, all right, we can't have that. And so I just grabbed the nearest person I could and we started snogging and I was on the lawn and she was on a deck chair, right? And the next time I looked up, everyone was doing it and everyone kind of crawled together on the lawn until we formed this writhing, undulating mass of of flesh, which was terrific and at that point i i'm never i whenever things like this happen i'm never amazed i'm never amazed and i'm never grateful like i'm never like counting my lucky stars or going oh jesus look at this i'm always like ah here we are here we are (laughs) And, and that was a lot of fun like um like I, I, there was a particularly beautiful head of hair next to me, and I stroked it. And a guy called Tim turned around, which was an unexpected <laughs> development. And he and I both found that funny. Is that moment of just going, well, "Well, as it turns out, neither of us are bi." <laughs> okay, um, I stroked his girlfriend. He stroked my On and on and on it went. I remember, I desperately remember swimming over people to get to the people I liked. That was fun. <laughs> and the most enjoyable part of it, and this is how. I mean, because the people people who are in it are the sort of people who would say things like, oh, I don't normally do this. And that's a terrible statement to make. If you can, with very, very little provocation, uh, drop to the ground in someone's yard and start screwing as many people as possible, (laughs) there's no point saying, oh, I don't normally do this. You know, it's not... There's not, we were all Australian as well, so it's not like there's that English charm of kind of, well, a gentleman never tells. You know? <laughs> None of that. It's just like we're a race of people designed to be as loud and as obnoxious as possible without quite being American. So we may as well at all times announce and broadcast. And the best thing that happened during all of it was we, we did a headcount of who was there. And we figured out that everyone at the party was present and correct in this great orgy. And then a guy called Damien uh, wasn't there. No one knew where Damien was. So somebody went, oh, where, you know, where's Damien? And the host of the party put up her hand. And this motion, you know how you've got backyard sensors for lights? Uh-huh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Or the the nice, you know, we were in a backyard but it wasn't lit, right? <laughs> She put her hand up and suddenly the whole yard is cast to this stark light and there, in a corner looking completely, you know, just like, oh, I've been found out is Damien. <laughs> and, like, he's, he's in great fear. And then she popped the hand down, and 15 minutes later we wondered where he was again. the hand went back up, and he was halfway to the yard. I don't know why he was taking this long to get there <laughs> I don't know if he was afraid or desirous or whatever happened, but I do know that somebody right towards the end put up their hand and he was about an inch away from he was he just had his mouth just so close to a nipple) <laughs> And like, I mean, every time the light came on, I mean, he he froze. We all froze. You know, you would freeze. An entire, you know, about fourteen to sixteen rutting people are stopping what they're doing to look at you. You know, you'll stop. And he he froze. And at that point, I think somebody said, "Yeah, does anyone want a coffee?" We all got up. We all we all had a coffee. He had a he
0: had a terrible night. That poor guy. I don't know why that happened. Have you got any party memories that have like uh, disturbed you or uh, scared you?
2: Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I distinctly remember. Uh. I went to. I went the first time. Yeah. The first time I went to a science fiction convention. And. So sci- this isn't this isn't a science fiction convention held at an expo center or anything. You know, it's not held at a great big. Thing and then afterwards people repair to their own hotels and all this. There's a so, the odd odd kind of um, pfft, moderately publicised type of sexuality that accompanies some some of these in the UK. <laughs> uh, I went to, I went to one Comic Con in London uh, this year and afterwards I was hanging out in one of the hotels and I was just watching. It was, it was odd, you know, like because there are all these rumours of and then these people go upstairs and they have a <laughs> and like well you know the thing is. Some of that will be a rumor, some of it won't be, and all of it is just as uninteresting as the rest. You know, it's like these things are really only interesting if you're in them, otherwise, they're just noisy and a bit gross. You know, <laughs> and I went to this, uh, uh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, it was. I uh, it was the first time I went to a sci fi convention, it was five days in a hotel, uh, with people and you know, discussing sci fi literature and having an all night screenings room of watching things, it was great. And there had been a night where a bunch of people had retired into a room uh, to have themselves a little bit of a party and a lot of S&M going on and I was uh, 15 and I and another guy who was 15 sort of just sat outside that room because uh, we we weren't invited and <laughs> we couldn't hear anything. And so we were just like, oh, I'm not, what, are they, what do you think they're doing? You know, like we were getting quiet. And then a friend of mine came out and then lesser. she was just a bit older than us, but not that much older. So she was more than happy to explain what had been going on inside. And that was great. Uh, you know, it really, it was a very kind thing for her to do. <laughs> we we had really been there, bent double, uh, we, you know, our our lithe 15-year-old spines, completely wrecked as all of the blood rushed <laughs> to our angry fist-like dicks. Um, <laughs> it was, she, that was very helpful. You know, just just two people just standing there, nobody able to masturbate, you know, just, just oh, what do you think's happening? And this is great. And then later on, though, I, yeah, I, I just distinctly recall later on, uh, going, yeah, yeah, going into a room with her and her then-boyfriend, and they were just they were just talking and stuff, and the boyfriend, I don't think knew how old I was, and he turned to me and was kind of like, oh, hey, you know, how about I tie you down to this bed? And, <laughs> and I was like, it, it's interesting that I, I was a bolshie 15-year-old uh, because I <laughs> turned to him and went, I'll bite you. <laughs> bolshie, but not worldly. Because uh, he went, that'd be great. You know? <laughs> Oh, and I had to be like, ah, oh, I, I think eventually she went, He's fifteen. Would you leave him the fuck alone? And she was like, oh, okay. And that was that was also the um, Oh yeah that was also the first time because it was a, it was a small town uh, that I lived in. That was the time where I went I went dancing. I'll, I'll think up if there was something that genuinely frightened me. I'll, I'll, oh no, there there is something. I'll tell you something in a minute. Um, I that was the the thing where I went dancing. They had a masquerade ball. And there was a lovely girl who was very, very kind to me uh, and she came up to me and she winked and she went, oh, what do you think? And I, I had a girlfriend at the time, so this was quite awkward. Uh, and she's like, oh, what do you think when a girl wearing a chainmail bikini winks at you? And I tried to sound as bored as possible. and went, oh, sex? And she went, no, bondage. And I had to be like, oh, okay. You know, just like, Without without being hard just being like, oh well, obviously that just happens all the time, you know. <laughs> Which at age fifteen it didn't, except very slowly on my mother's computer. Yeah, you know? <laughs> a lot of text files got read that year. That was all. Oh, all oh, that would work. But no, i I was once I was once quite afraid. Uh, this was I had been hosting a goth, uh, yeah, a goth ball. In Sydney, and this was this was great fun, a terrific evening of entertainment. There was a Japanese synth rock band. They were cool. And at the end of the show, a very good friend of mine took me, took me out the back to where I could get changed, and I'd been wearing a corset and leather pants and all my eyeliner and all this. And we went through this back room, and there was just masses of S&M gear. And to be fair, it was probably the best setup up dungeon I'd ever seen. And, like, we, we we took a little stroll through and I was quite upset that there was nobody to put in the cage that was there, you know. <laughs> all this, like, oh, I can't believe this had been happening. Like, because I'd been on the other stage all night. I wish someone had told me because then I would have been in there having a good time. I mean, events like that, you know, that I see why I wasn't there because that area doesn't need an MC, you know. You don't need somebody there doing the Alice in Wonderland change places or something <laughs> You know, oh, you, you know, running commentary on things like that is irritating and devastating in some cases. But I went into a went into the changing room to get changed, and I was talking to my friend through the door, and I I didn't realise I wasn't alone in the changing room, and I went, oh, I feel rough, and uh, this voice from behind me just went, do you want to see rough? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he... He'd have been about about fifty five and <laughs> built built like you imagine imagine like your father's built when you're a boy, you know what I mean? Like if if your dad didn't take great care of himself, but maybe went for a run periodically, so that that really big kind of um, nut like body, you know that round just huge rounded hairy muscle um, with a oh, God, like red clown wig and a French maid's outfit on—that was a bit frightening because there was just that moment of going, you know, this guy, you know, it's like this is a proper dyed-in-the-wool Sydney drag act. He will have broken more of me, you know. And yeah, I mean, I, this was—I think, oh yeah, that that was that was when I was still that that was the year that a young gay guy explained something to me which I thought was nice he was talking about the different categories of um, of gay men and this, this seems quite dated now but he, he was just talking, this this was his view and he was talking about the twinks and then the bears and the daddies and I went well what am I and he went well John I'm just going to explain it to you you're too fat and old to be a twink and not hairy enough to be a bear <laughs> <laughs> you're an otter <laughs> And yeah, I, I'll tell you. I mean, he, that I just remember the, this guy was quite keen uh, just to break <laughs> me open like a clam. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was a thing. That was a, that was a bit of a day, but that was mostly because I didn't expect him to be there. And then he was, you know, pretty funny and charming. So it was all good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got to ask, how did you get into stand-up?
2: Oh, oh that's a very that's a, actually a very nice story. Um yeah, uh, I went to uni. I went to uni um, first day, first day of uni, and I was enrolled in the in the wrong course, the wrong degree, to be fair, and like entirely. And I was standing in line um, for a not not even the course, but just like they were going to give me a guide, you know, to like what we were doing that day. And this girl came up to me, and she was a little bit taller than I am and had three piercings in one ear and two piercings in the other, a very tall and thin person. And she came up and said, your name is John, and you are very loud. And uh, she used to see me at an anime, uh, an anime night that I would go to where we would watch a lot of Japanese cartoons, and I'd go outside with all my friends, and we'd just muck around and play. And that was the first sort of, like, real performances I was doing and it definitely had an audience I mean the audience was my friends and her Uh, you know she thought I was pretty fun and then she was happy to come and meet me and she became my best friend and then yeah she was the one who suggested that I should do stand up and she entered me in a competition which I went in and I did well and I just didn't win and I was (laughs) really upset and then I went and I did uh the yeah, I, I we went to a play, and a woman who ran a club had seen me. And it, really, I should have paid more attention to stuff like this happening earlier in my career. Uh, where I was like, Oh, if you get on stage, people see you, and then that means that they talk about you, and that means that you can get more work, you know, or less work, depending on what they thought. <laughs> um, she, yeah, and this girl, woman came up and said, Oh, I, you're funny, you should be at my club. So I went and I did her club, and I just died on my ass. And then, because by this point, I think I was, uh, you yeah, know, 17, the experience of dying on my ass was so um, ridiculously traumatic that I, uh, I then immediately decided that if those people hated me, I would really give them something to hate. And so I created a character. <laughs> Everyone should do this. This is how you solve problems. <laughs> I created a character uh, who was meant to be a parody of everything that I hated, and he was a Baptist minister. Uh, called Father Clancy Auschwitz, uh, because that's <laughs> you know. I was it was good. Like it. The thing is, at the time, it upset most most of the people who were seeing the shows that I was doing. It upset them, and they were you know it was good to upset them. Like the the audiences were pretty conservative, dumb, homophobic. <laughs> Shithouse crowds, and they deserved <laughs> to be a bit riled up, you know, like the first MC that I had, yeah, I know I remember the first night, the first night I did Father Clancy. Um, the Melbourne comic Adam Richard uh, was in. Adams, a great act, and he liked me. he thought it was funny, which was very touching. Uh, the MC I remember got on stage and they used to do the tryouts uh, after the main show was over. So, you know, you'd be there at about ten thirty at night till about eleven and with an audience of six or something. And the MC got up and he went, Oh, and now here comes Father Clancy Well, that's not funny. He just got off stage. You complete asshole, you know, Jesus. Say the fucking name, even if it's appalling. Say the name and fix it you know make you make it funny you asshole instead you know he just threw me to the fucking wolves and i distinctly remember as well because i was starting in the crowd which he didn't know so i didn't get on stage immediately so he just jumped back on and went oh there's been a mistake so the first thing that father clancy ever said was get off the fucking stage <laughs> God damn motherfucker, get off the fucking stage now! And then I, I went and I, I nicked a drink from this, do- which I, I keep doing in shows. That's a lot of... Fun. Uh, and I, I, this is the first time I'd ever stolen a drink. I don't drink except during shows. It's tremendous fun. Um, I grabbed a hold of this beer, which turned out to belong to Adam Richard, who had, had a very good radio career at the time, so he was hugely amused. And, um, yeah, on, on I went and had a had a delightful time. And that that yeah that character had a um, a strike rate of about about one in ten shows was good. <laughs> uh, about to be fair, about uh, I mean eight of you know like eight out of ten shows were me. The audience probably going yeah we get what you're doing here but you're not really doing it right. One would be an audience getting really genuinely upset, right, <laughs> as as they should have been, and then one would be an audience going yay satire. It's working. We get it. We don't care for those people either. Yeah. Right wing people are pig fucking Nazis. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us. Yeah. Show us how tolerance should work. Yeah. And that that was fun. Uh I had a <laughs> Father Clancy lived on until he completely died at a um <laughs> at the state finals of an open mic competition. Uh Because the other thing is that Father Clancy... I had very, very low tolerance for stress at the time. Uh, So, Father Clancy's... Like, the goal with him was that he would be ranting and raving and then he would remember he was gay. And he would... (laughs) (laughs) Right? Or something like that. Or he would nail his foot to the floor. And I I, I used to do that for some reason. Uh, I loved doing that, actually. And I had this big wooden cross, which meant that nobody ever... Like, and i mean a fucking huge... Like meter long, you know, bit of wood nailed to another bit of wood, so no one fucked with me, you know, because I had a weapon, right? You get on stage making a lot of fucking noise, and then suddenly you you've also got what's quite clearly a club, you know. People they won't mess with you, you know, as a rule. And uh, yeah, I mean, he he, I just remember completely dying in front of this audience of about five hundred people, and I'm um, there going, yeah, well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you. Another, uh, uh. And then I just remember going, I'm sorry I've wasted your time. <laughs> I walked up the stage. And then I just started punching the wall in the dressing room, which people must have been able to hear, but gamely ignored. And, and the promoter the promoter came back and he's a nice man, an incredibly English guy, not much given to emotional demonstrations. So this was, I'm hugely given to emotional demonstrations, so our interactions are usually fairly <laughs> uncomfortable for him. And he came backstage and he looked at me and he went, oh, well, well you do have quite high standards for yourself. And then he just <laughs> left, which was nice. That was that was fun. Oh, Jesus, uh, yeah. Father Clancy only had one like, only had one moment of triumph, uh, which was the night, uh, the night I found an audience member who was agreeing with Father Clancy, and this, <laughs> this upset me deeply. Uh, fortunately, however, I had something for him because uh, he <laughs> he was an enormous man and a Stetson. Uh, which is great, you know. Like, of course, he's enjoying it. So I'm saying these appalling things, and then he's going, "Hallelujah, brother!" Like, he. It, it turned out the American fleet was in town. I didn't realize that this audience was made up principally of American naval personnel, and um, yeah, he he was enjoying it, and all of his friends were enjoying it, and then I went, "Okay, well, I got a song I'm going to do now. Who wants to hear the Twin Towers song? <laughs> this is this is 2003, right?" <laughs> And he like, "Yeah." And I go, "Okay, I'm a twin tower, tall and wide. I've got fifty thousand people inside. When a plane hits me, I explode and scatter their corpses on the road." <laughs> everybody, and then everybody but the Americans. And uh, he he was very gracious because he didn't kill me. He, uh, <laughs> came up to me after the show uh, and went. You're going to be a big star the minute you cut out that 9-11 bullshit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I exploited his nation's you know, most well-publicised tragedy to make a political point. I don't think he entirely got it. So. <laughs> Great victory. And that's, that's how I got started. And then for five years, I just, oh, yeah, 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 I should tell you, because for five years, I was, <laughs> people were booking me. But it was later explained by a friend of mine because after I went through the I'm making so much noise, I'm making so much noise and I dropped the character and I was still making so much noise, I'm doing this. Once I, to get over the stress, right? Whereas like something's gone wrong, fuck, I'm so upset. It it then just became something's gone wrong, fuck you! And then I would completely (laughs) turn on the crowd. And so people like my friend Wurzel, who's a great comic, just went, look, you you were bookable. It's just that... We, we, you know, you'd be doing well. One person would say one thing and you'd turn around and be like, I'm going to shove your nose down your fucking... <laughs> 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 I was he, you know, oh, you... I'll fucking burn your faces off, you little rat bastards. <laughs> I was really cute at the time too, so I don't, I don't know why the crowd didn't think it was funny. It was fucking adorable. This, I was in my proper twink phase at the time. They should have been applauding. <laughs> but how will you have the energy after you've been so frantically sodomised? They should have said. <laughs> I... oh, but yeah, then that's that's how I got started. Um, and yeah, my best friend, uh, she unfortunately died last year. So um, yeah, I did a show in tribute to her at this year's Edinburgh, which was really nice. But yeah, it was um, yeah, it was interesting because I didn't realise I'd forgotten how much of an impact she had made on me right up until the point she died and i went oh i should really quit you know i realized how much i was just doing it for her strange mm-hmm. anyway that took a turn <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: and is that the, the let's redecorate show that was
2: let's redecorate yeah yeah that's um yeah just a just a little show about that and saying goodbye to somebody which was uh, yeah fun and interesting and as as always i found uh Found reason to slot in something about my sex life for whatever <laughs> whatever reason, um, but yeah, you know. Well, you, it can't all be it can't all be crying, can it? You know, if you're going to, if you're going to weep, you may as well have a gag in. So
1: <laughs> something. To do. I remember when I saw that because if you recall when I met you, it was in yes. somebody's kitchen. Yes. Uh, yes that yes was, that was an amazing night i mean that's probably my, my, my best night this year it was just um, incredible Thank and you. You um great time it was it was amazing i was something like it was like i described it to somebody as like basically a house party where yeah. somebody's telling jokes you go around <laughs> somebody's house you don't even know who they are you know and you just sit down you have a can of cider and somebody's <laughs> telling jokes it was amazing
2: that was but, such fun. that was Paul Savage's house nice guy that,
1: yeah yeah but th- that show that i mean let's redecorate you, you, you did it at the start and then you did the dark room afterwards which again we'll get on too late but that was amazing but th- th- as with the some, some of the best comedy you know obviously there's all the gags and everything else but there was a sense of um uh pathos there you know yeah. there was a sense of uh you know kind of almost like tragedy like which is mm. with some of the best comedy you know that's there and you could see that, and as much as I was laughing, and you know, I really was, you know, busting a gut laughing. It was just there was a, a you could set, tell that obviously it was a personal story for you, and it meant a lot to you to to tell that, you know, and 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 perform that act, if you like, or or you know, do what, what you did.
2: Well, it, it, the thing is, it it really, it really, really did, and that's I mean, it I don't know, I mean, I, my the first like stand up I did before I had that thing where you go, oh, I don't know, will the whole audiences want to hear about this? And like audiences want to hear about anything as long as you just sell it to them, you know, Uh, was when I I used to talk about my father's suicide and that became my party piece when I was a kid uh, for for many, many years. Uh, And I didn't, I never wanted what happened with her to become like that. Mm and i mean the nice thing is that it hasn't and also i mean it's it's interesting like if you experience one tragedy when you're 10 and then you're you're involved uh, 18 years later right with another one you it is it is incredibly different there's no there's no need to address it constantly there's just the need to go all right i'm going to produce the best piece of art i can mm. i'm going to do this for you and yeah, I mean, well, we're not we're not completely done exploring that. There's much much to discuss and much to much to have. Uh, yeah, it just I remember it, my father's my father's death was much more um I don't know. It was it was it was a lot more it was a lot more fun to play with. It was a much more fun toy once um once I'd gotten over it. It was a much more fun toy to just you know, just sort of tell people the hysterical stories about hangings, you know, things like that. And, yeah. like, I would get, uh, there's a friend of mine, still a friend, who uh, would say to me, oh, oh, I shouldn't be laughing, oh! And we're like, that's, that's I think that's the response I've wanted, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the length of my career, if I had to, if I had to think of what, what it would be, it would be people laughing at something truly appalling happening, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And but yeah yeah and in that case, I don't know that, that Let's Redecorate was interesting because it was that it was a what what's ha- what happens when you end up writing ethical black comedy, you know, mm. like instead because pe- when people do dark comedy and they do that, you know, they go down this incredibly boring ah, oh, pedophile dead baby rape joke, you know, it's it's all the same template, mm. but they do that because they haven't felt anything, yeah. You know, and the guys who are good at it, um, you know what, I haven't even seen any of him, but Jerry Sadowitz, I keep being told, is good at it. From what I can tell, Jerry Sadowitz may be one of the more miserable people, <laughs> alive. And alive is a very kind word for how he subsists, it seems. You know, he's a depressive, he's suffered hugely, he's a magician. All magicians have either suffered a great deal or should at all times. <laughs> You know, like, it's it's someone who's lived through the life of, you know, being the little twerp who sits there with the two rings trying to figure out how it works and then, you know, trying to go out and make a career out of that. And so his his dark humour seems to come from, you know, misery. <laughs> and that makes it powerful and good, you know. Brendan Burns can talk about anything he wants as long as the day lives because so help me, you know. The fact that Lemmy's dead, all right, Lemmy's only dead because Brendan lived about half of his life for him. <laughs> you know, without ever picking up the bass guitar. So, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I suppose he's something. Yeah. Maybe jokes are funnier if you really mean them. Yeah. You know?
1: You mentioned a few comedians there. I mean, when I saw you, you know, the likes of say Bill Hicks sprang to mind, <laughs> uh, Rick Mayle, oh. You know, um, just you know the energy and and everything and the enthusiasm. But then there's that, like you said, the sort of darkness there a little bit and the, the sharp sort of like comments. Yeah. Who 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 are your influences? Who do you look up to, if anybody?
2: Well, lots of lots of people. Uh, for someone who I mean, I don't like stand up. I don't watch much stand up like if i'm if I monitor a comedy night, I watch the guys who run on before me, maybe not all of them uh it if someone's my friend, I watch them, or if I got there early i I'll, I'll watch the show but i I don't really enjoy watching stand up comedy. it's not of great interest to me mm. of great interest to me is getting on the stage and hurting people uh, that <laughs> that's a lot of fun. I like to do that uh I like to I like to do that, and I like to be seen to be doing that. And you know that's a lot. That's a great thing to do if you don't have to think about it, you just go do it. Great. Uh, but I I have really dug. I really like. Oh, Brendan Burns is a genius. I love watching him. We do a fair bit of work together. He's always always fun to watch. Whatever. I've never seen anybody sell material like Brendan does. And I don't mean like here he is eking every single last iota of a laugh out of a facial expression or really ringing a phrase or, you know, taking a, taking a two-syllable word and drawing it out hysterically. I just mean that Brendan, Brendan seems to be able to cohesively write a paragraph and then deliver that paragraph completely fresh every time to the point that I still believe he hasn't said that one before. You know, that's lovely to watch. And it's such a huge turnover of material and all of it fun and interesting. So that's cool. I like him a lot. I like I like Rick Mail, Uh Bill Hicks, I never I, I deliberately stayed away from Bill Hicks because everybody told me that I would really like him. Right. And and I was like <laughs> It wasn't like a case of anhedonia or anything, like, oh, no, pleasure. I can't have any of that. <laughs> it, was, it was me going, well, I don't, I don't want to be influenced by that. You know, I really liked Spike Milligan. Yeah. He was cool. Uh, very, very, very hello, folks, hello, folks. I really liked him. I keep I keep waiting to, like, because there's, there's a Spike Milligan quote that no one uses. I don't think anyone's <laughs> even said it out loud, aside from him, into a microphone, maybe during an audio book which is that I was very, very taken that in one of his war memoirs while he's on leave, he the word, yeah, the phrase knee trembler gets used a lot. And I, I had to find out what that was because I first had the when I was a kid. And I, I thought that it was some weird Goonian invention, you know, you went outside some sort of jelly-based apparatus or something. And, oh, no, the terrible knee trembler.
3: Oh, what is this?
2: And eventually, eventually, I found out. Oh, you know, how wonderful to think that the slang of the military was that
0: inventive at the time. <laughs> exactly. My dad gave me those books to read when I was a yeah. kid. It's yeah. like he brought me up on Spike Milligan. He's so oh, good. It's great. Yeah. So cool.
2: But there, there's the one where he's having he's having the knee trembler, and a um, a sergeant. No, no, it's a lieutenant. It's always it's always depicted as being a lieutenant because sergeants are huge in your mind. But lieutenants are always sort of whippy, thin little young officers. And this lieutenant puts his hand on on Spike's shoulder and says he has to get in the truck. And so Milligan just, he goes, I wheeled around, grabbed him by the throat and said, do you want to fucking die? (laughs) And I've been waiting for years for the opportunity to wheel around and grab somebody by the throat and say, do you want to fucking die? They won't understand that it's a huge, hugely nerdy (laughs) comic reference, they'll just be terrified. (laughs) Extra value in that. (laughs) Uh, So, so, no, I Spike Milligan's wonderful. I I wrote to him, I wrote to him when he was still alive, and he wrote back, which is very kind. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. I sent him a sketch and he returned it, (laughs) which is good. Um. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he returned it, saying, "I'm giving you back this copy of the sketch in case it is the only copy you have," which wonderfully, wonderfully polite, very kind man. And his brother, his brother Desmond, was very nice as well. Desmond sent me a letter typed on his uh, typed on his typewriter uh, because I I wrote to I sent the address to it turned out to be Desmond's house and then Desmond forwarded it to Spike, which was very kind. Really great. Oh yeah. Yeah, so he absolutely in there number one. I liked I liked the Pythons, I liked Billy Connolly. Uh, we never <laughs> Yeah. Billy Connolly I just I mostly remember he was a noise like when I was a kid. We'd put on you know, like you'd see him on the television and you'd hear going
3: Wee, whee, 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 whee.
2: And the audience would be laughing hysterically and pretty soon you would as well. Whatever it was about. You know, like all the only thing I I understood him to, him to say was "fuck," and then, <laughs> and then a story about his daughters watching some salmon. I thought that was good. What was your favorite part of the holiday? Sesame Street. I, I, I really I liked that. Barry Humphrey is very very cool. Don Rickles uh, is is fun to watch. Um, my man Don Smith in Perth Western Australia taught me everything I know about clowning and. Uh, I, I mention this to him, and he uh, he consistently denies it because I don't think he wishes to claim responsibility for my work, <laughs> <laughs> which is nice, very very un-ISIS of him.
0: <laughs> Chris, Chris, said he saw you in somebody's kitchen as well. You don't play yes. like traditional places, do you, John? It's like no. how how do you sort out where your tour goes then? Well,
2: it. uh look, man, sometimes. I mean, it, it, I, I almost want to say to you, oh, look, man, we just take whatever comes, you know, kind of hand to mouth, thumb out on the road, knapsack in hand, you know. Oh, cool, thanks for this lift, mister. Yeah, take me to the next town. Um, there's no plan, never really any plan at all. It's just um, it's just me looking around and going, well, this seems like a good idea. Like the uh, the kitchen show, me and Brendan had gone down there and did a live podcast of the wrestling uh, down there some months before, and so that was that. And, look, it's just it's just odd what comes up. Like, this time, yeah, like, it's, about, you know, it be January in a minute. January last year, I was in Amsterdam for two weeks in a series of theatres. You know, that only happened because I met a guy in Edinburgh, a guy called Greg Shapiro, a great comedian, and he took me over. I was just in Greece no idea I don't know I don't, I don't plan it out mm-hmm. uh, except maybe around February I normally go oh I should book that big theatre in London I like and I go and play The Utterbelly but I, it, it's weird it's like we just did if we were to go backwards it's like we just did Dark Room at the Soho Theatre uh, which is London's best independent comedy venue but I did a theatre in Greece uh, just before that and between those two gigs I was in Australia for a day for a radio audition uh, I got flown there, so I was in the air for five days. I left I left Greece, went to London, then got on a plane to Perth, two days in the air, landed Wednesday morning, went live to air for three hours Thursday morning, got on a plane three o'clock Thursday, eight o'clock on Friday. I was back in London, 11.30, I was on stage at the Soho Theatre. And if I planned my career better, things like that would happen. <laughs> and I wouldn't still be jet-lagged. I mean, the fact that... I I deliberately for you boys because I knew when we were going to tape this. I have been completely nocturnal for like four days, and yesterday, (laughs) yesterday I went no no let's just let's just get it right because otherwise, (laughs) otherwise it'll just be me waking up right about now, which no good. Um, But yeah, like I was. Let's see, I had a brief, uh, very very brief pro wrestling career. I've uh, performed in like Bratislava and bomb shelters. Uh, yeah, look, I just look around and I see what looks interesting and what looks like we're going to get. You know what? What? What's my audience going to come to? You know, like if I go if if I play a sci-fi convention, you know, it's like wh- you know where are we going to be? Like I played at at MCM London Comic Con. I was in an enormous inflatable, like dome. That was cool. That worked out really well, you know. They're telling me, oh, we can't, you know, we're going to be on the expo floor, we can't uh, darken the space for your show. Get in there. It's the only place in in there with a roof, an inflatable (laughs) roof, but a roof, you know, perfect. Yeah, look, I I don't know what to tell you. It was just in Berlin. We played a whole variety of strange places, you know. We've done dugouts, outdoor festivals. Man, there's just no plan. If If you have no plan at all other than... Uh, That good thing, I'd like to have that good thing, you know, like the Soho Theatre or the Adderbelly or I'd like to go do, you know, like have a a West End Theatre for like a night. Everything else just falls into
0: place. Yeah.
2: You end up, yeah, you end up in kitchens and you end up, yeah, you know, just like I was in Bahrain last year for five days. Who the fuck knows why? <laughs> no one knows. I mean the the audiences knew. The audience seemed pretty amused by what I was doing. They had no idea what it was. <laughs> they were very happy with it though. And that, that tour was amazing because they we flew there here here's something for you. We flew there stayed in a five star hotel, me and two other acts, we all dressed up to go did the first show The first show was cancelled Which meant that we dressed up for dinner So we then went and had a dinner Then we all went to bed and we woke up We walked around You know Like we never left the hotel We did a show And then the next show was at the hotel And my memories of Bahrain Are mostly me and the comic Liam Malone Getting lost Walking <laughs> Like because nobody walks in Bahrain We were told And we went out of the hotel And we took a left And we walked Along a highway with nothing next to it. And then we walked until we arrived at a barbed wire fence and a man holding an AK-47 very gently waved <laughs> us over to him and told us to go for a walk down this path. And we went down this path. We walked past a, um, an enormous parasol and a plastic chair and a cat, just in the, this weird magic realism moment as we, we walked through and I thought we were going to be shot. And we walked until we reached another fence. Well, we got out, and as it turns out, once you've done that, you're a mere half an hour from the shopping malls of Bahrain. <laughs> we went to Bahrain, and we saw a lot, of, a lot of very, very fat Arabic people eating McDonald's, and we saw a lot of, yeah, just American shit everywhere. It was hugely disappointing. We went back to the hotel. We did the gig. A month later, my friend Martin Moore went there, along with Brendan, I don't know who else went with them. As it turns out, if you go left out of the hotel car park, you walk into the desert, and there's the man with the machine gun, and then the shopping mall. If you turn right, there's the Grand Mosque of Bahrain, one of the greater sites of the Middle East, just there, and a street market. I had no idea.
1: (laughs) Do your research. You mentioned uh, wrestling, and I, I can tell you, have got some. You still got some moves because uh, nice. on Vi- Video Game Nation, you did the special. It's probably about a year ago now, um, and you were in the ring and you were selling all your moves and everything. But um, I've still got your book, by the way, that you gave me for the oh, good. For which uh, uh, mysteries. Uh, I've, I've <gasps> still got that. I <laughs> oh, do. Uh, oh, yeah, that, of course. that was a good heavy one. That was Yeah. Um, I
2: picked that. Oh yeah, yeah. I had I had been in a country town the night before,
1: and I picked that up. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, uh, because uh, you gave out uh, well, not gifts as such, but prizes for the people who took part in the dark room show. Yeah. Um, but before we get on to Video Game Nation, because I've got to ask you about that, because that's okay. how I f- that's how I first got to know about you. Was oh. watching Video Game Nation, oh, wow. um, and that's what kind of led me into looking you up as as a stand up comedian. Oh but- good. <laughs> um, just tell tell everybody about the Dark Room show um, okay. because that's kind of linked to Video Game Nation. It is obviously it about is. video well, games. Yeah.
2: Well, it was in yeah, it ended up in episode two of Video Game Nation. Uh, yeah, the Dark Room uh, is the world's only live action video game. Uh, it's I created it when yeah, I, I was just doing a, a bunch of jokes one day about how terrible old text based adventures were. And people seem to like these jokes, and then the next day I was on stage at an anime convention in a 3,000-seat theater, and it, the show is getting a little bit raucous, because uh, Wy- this is YCon, which is Perth's best anime convention, which coming back uh, next year, which is good. Uh, I loved that crowd, and they loved me, and we would get pretty, pretty raw with each other. Uh, they're, you know about having about 3,000 cosplayers heckle at once, just because they're excited and having fun, is, is a lot and that was a i mean that was a good show i think that was the one where uh, i made a lion king reference and out of 3000 people this one woman just said i haven't seen the lion king <laughs> now, 2999 people booed her <laughs> but like like boo, boo. oh yeah, yeah. she'd be, she'd been a bit chatty during the show as well so this was their their revenge uh, which is great <laughs> uh yeah, and because the show was getting a bit out of hand, I just started doing this this series of jokes about how crap text based adventures were. And this uh, the way the way it worked is that I'd be like, you know, you'd be in a room with a fascist Old Testament God, and they'd be like, you know, you're weak to find yourself in a dark room, <laughs> and then uh, this immediately meant that the crowd the crowd rioted, and people just started going, I escape! Uh, no, you can't escape. You're in a dark room find light switch how will you find the light switch you're in a dark room you need the light switch to see do you see and we just started throwing it back and forth and i got the guys to turn off all the lights in the theater which takes ages incidentally if that's not scripted um <laughs> like and i meant like all the lights and so yeah that we did that for about 45 minutes and by the time i went home we we're like oh man i gotta do something with this um, you know, uh, Bob Slayer who's a good good act was staying with us and Bob was like oh no you really must do something so I uh, uh, I made a YouTube series uh, where it was me as a floating head and you could click on these options to escape and I put it out there and it immediately got some traction and then it got some more traction and then I went on tour to Singapore and when I was in Singapore that was when it really started going viral so I added more to it and in the end we got about 4 million YouTube hits and I ended up being featured somewhere on NPR and on a podcast, which was cool. And uh, yeah, Joan and Vasquez, the creator of Invader Zim, was a big supporter, and it was really, really good fun. And then uh, my friend John Hayward, who uh, did yeah, ended up programming the um, the game for me, just went, "Oh, you know, you should really do that as a live show." And it was like, "Okay." So we took it to Edinburgh. Uh, and it was odd because I was doing a late night show which I was completely convinced was proper critic bait, you know, like it was going to be really great acclaim and then there was just this other thing we were just going to be doing And, and Dark Room totally took off. Like, we didn't expect it to be a hit, and yeah, Brendan Kane—that's how I met Brendan properly. Uh, Dan Smith kept coming. Hannibal Buress, when he wasn't completely busy uh, outing <laughs> Bill Cosby, uh, he came down. Paul Provenza came down. Everybody came down they all brought friends and it was a great hit and of course the show that i thought was going to be critic bait the late night show completely died on its ass and that's fine uh, you know it's that moment again yeah you know what don't ever plan anything you know yeah. so, good you know when you when you don't plan things things like this happen and then yeah darkroom since then we've been touring it and it's been great we've played yeah great places with it gone everywhere we did a cinema in bristol sold that out which was cool they're in Manchester are about to take it to Leeds, I think. No, Nottingham. Nottingham we're going to. Gonna do a cinema in Nottingham and in February. And yeah, it's just just superb. So that's that's how the dark room's going. And yeah, with the prizes, uh, when people play, um, this is just for yeah, this is just for listeners, uh, the way it works is all the lights go down, four options appear on the screen. I'm wearing a lot of Tron-like armour. My face is the only thing that's really lit up. And I'm yelling at people in this voice. <laughs> and uh, you've got four options, and if you pick to play, you pick one of the four options, you try to escape the dark room, and you keep picking options until you either succeed or you die. And if you die, then you will have a prize from the Table of Wonders, and the Table of Wonders is just complete shit. That was- <laughs> And that's, that's really fun to do. Like you got a secondhand book that I'd picked up from a charity shop. There was a, when I, when I did the kids' matinee of it, and I wish I'd filmed the kids' matinee uh, that I did this year in Bedford, I deliberately, uh, like, I, I've got a joke that I've, I've done before, um, which I, I, it was something like um, Game of Thrones pop-up edition, where you get a copy of Game of Thrones and then you fill it with like chicken blood. So when you open the book, you know, all this blood drops out. You know, Or if it's dried, then it's dried. In this case, I ripped off one of Barry Humphreys' jokes uh, because it just seemed... uh, Well, one, it was from Barry Humphreys when he was a teenager. He wasn't using it. And also also it was just a bit more age-appropriate for the kiddies. Uh, We had... Oh, yeah, I had a book and then I just went, oh, I was reading this book when I felt sick. And then you open it and it's got... uh, what is that? Like salad dressing and, you know, bits of carrot and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they would just drip him on the floor. That was great fun because I gave that to a little boy and then kids, kids will do things that adults don't do because he kicked it back at me. But really funny. Like he took his time and then he did it when it seemed like it was going to be inconvenient. But I'm wearing colossal boots, so it just bounced off me. I just kicked it at him. His mum loved that. So that was, that was fun. Uh, yeah, and that's that's The Dark Room, uh, still touring, having a wonderful time.
1: You're incredibly busy looking at your tour dates. I mean, oh, you're pretty yeah. much booked up from January, January f- up until June. And yep. uh, I can see that you're in my neck of the woods in Birmingham um, oh, later oh, on. Yes. Yes. And uh Bridge, which isn't very far away from me either, so um, I'll definitely oh, come good. out to one of those shows. Oh,
2: thank you. No, be great. you. That sound you can hear is me, st- is me looking it up
1: oh yes
2: oh the fits of laughter yeah that that guy the guy who books that in march yeah he's a nice man i like him yeah very nice chap uh yeah great yeah drop on in love to see you Awesome. Yeah. oh yeah we'll have to go we'll definitely both have to go mate oh yeah oh, both come in come in yeah,
1: yeah. Yay. Uh, i've got to ask i know we've we, we so, talked you for a bit longer than an hour wait, i'm, never, I'm sorry fine. but
2: it's fine but, I started
1: did, talking ten minutes before we began. <laughs> it's fine. But yep. Video Game Nation. This yes. is this is where I first became aware of you and started okay. to um, find out a bit more. As you do a bit of cyber stalking, you think, "Oh, I like him." I'll find a bit more about him, and oh, yeah. uh, and that's what led obviously onto the, the comedy shows. But how did Video Game Nation come about? It's I'm a huge fan of it, and I know that Dave, you are. You watch it as well. Yeah. Um, and because it, it kind of it feels like it's it's aimed at me. Do you know what I mean? As it is. of me, near a 40 year old man yep. um I, I there's there's well-respected journalists on there uh people who love video games people who know what they're talking about you know obviously when you do your top fives you, you refer to games that i've not even heard of and um and you know it's fun and it's entertaining and i love the way that it features a particular game you know and then talks about the themes around it but how did that come about for you
2: Oh well, I'll gladly gladly tell you. Um, thank you. I'm glad
1: glad you watch the show. I'm glad you Oh, I love it. it yeah. Mm-hmm. It's cool. we'll uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's on Challenge TV for everybody. We will Yeah, yeah, it's
2: on Challenge. Hey, hey, why, well this this will be fun. I, I good. People people who've listened this far into the podcast I think right about now. Uh, now really do want to go watch an episode of Video Game Nation because when they look at me now they go, "Oh, there's a, there's a backstory there." Fuck. <laughs> oh. That that glint of mischief in the eyes suggests something. <laughs> um, what what happened was uh, I answered a casting call for another show that that production company was making, and that show was called "Console Yourself," and it was just a series of interviews with comedians talking about games, and they were very very slick, very very smart, because they'd pull you in and they'd film you for an hour, and they were able, at, you know, have, having done that with about six to eight people. They were able to then uh, get a whole series out of it. Right, <laughs> it, that hadn't occurred to me, but it, it was a, it was a bit of a blast to find that out. To be like, oh right, I mean, I mean, it, you know, every episode of this show off the back of this one day of filming. And I wrote to the then director, and went, oh, is there something that we could do? And so he went, oh well, why don't you come down and do Darkroom with our with our hosts? And I did, and one of the hosts was a, was a pal of mine, Tom Deacon. And the other was very talented YouTuber Emily Hartridge, and oh, well, she actually she's broadcasting everywhere now. So sorry to limit you there, Emily. Um, we went down, and I yeah, you know, very very much like this. I talked a lot, and made a lot of noise. I screamed at them. I gave them a dark room T-shirt. I left, and then. Well, i just moved to the UK and I was pretty thrilled, you know, because I'd just gotten here and I was suddenly being on TV. So I wrote to the director again and went, well, what happens now? And I was at the time I was making YouTube top fives. And so he went, oh, well, do you want to come in and make some of those for us? And I did. And then as the show went on, there were a lot of scheduling concerns, uh, you know, and eventually uh, Tom's schedule was too busy, so he had to leave. And then Emily got busy as well, so they both had to go. And the show got revamped under the director Adam Mason, a very good, very good director, excellent. Oh, I've I keep calling him the Stanley Kubrick of video games journalism, and he he keeps pretending to find that complimentary. Uh, <laughs> it, it it is. We've, you know we the only time we've ever had to do a retake is when I'm like. Okay, so Far Cry Three. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> so. that's like, if I, yeah, only if, I, yeah, he he's great. He gets a lot out of us very fast. I, I really lo- I like working with him because, and he he likes me because I can turn up and do like three episodes in two hours, so that's fun. Um, but yeah, me and Dan Marr and Eva, Eva Wilson, uh, we we now work together on on the show, and yeah, that's that's how that's how we got into it. And yeah, it's interesting, like the, the kind of teething um episodes of the revamp where we haven't quite figured out what we're all doing, uh, they're not they're not hugely watchable. But right about the time I start dyeing my hair, that's about the time the show gets good. That's that's my one. That's the that's that's the moment of Riker with the beard. You know, that's <laughs> when, <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. Right about the time that Worf starts wearing a silver sash, uh, that's when we're yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you like the show. Thank yeah, you.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. And oh, uh, yeah. Uh, high
2: high five, oh your... yeah, high def high five. Oh yeah, high def high five. I love doing that. I really like we get um we get a lot of mail from people. Um, you know, people tweeting at us and people sending us messages on the Facebook page. And what's really charming is I get a like a lot of mums and dads, you know, like they like watching the show and they like they like doing the high def high five and that's fun. You know, like um, I, I've had both sides of it. Like the kid who high def, who high fives the TV when I come on, and then the family think that the kid's weird. But then I've also got the dad who high fives me, and then the kids think the dad's a dork. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really really cool. Uh, so you know, it's it's a lot of fun. I I was amazed. I was amazed when I when eventually like we got the median age of the viewer, and it turned out yeah, the median age is like thirty five to forty. You know, because uh, I was, when I was originally employed, because they said, oh, it's going to go out at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, I thought we we're making a kid show, mm. right? So I carried on like we were making a kid show, but I carried on the way I would when we're making a kid show, which is I managed to sneak in a dick joke yeah. to every <laughs> single script. I had, a, <laughs> I had an ongoing thing of saying Jeremy Clarkson's a racist. I managed to sneak that into about three episodes and i started sneaking in for fun um yeah th- there's some nice nice brutal stuff that's made it past the censor um and some nice sexual stuff that nobody knew like um like talking about how in skyrim you'll travel uh, 3000 miles for an enchanted route and then i go oh, i did i married her. cuz route in australia it, it means fuck <laughs> right so I, I really like that we managed to slot that in. That was fun. Um, also, oh we we got We got one. We got one um, one complaint um, from Ofcom uh, really early in the in the no no like yeah maybe about episode twenty or something uh, where they had me go down to shoutcast a, a Call of Duty match and because the other guy who was a big northerner who really knew what he was doing. Uh, and, you know, he was doing all this, you know, oh, there comes, there comes, him, Asterix on Design, he's doing this one, you know, all this. I, I just applied color, so I'm just going, boom, ah! And then eventually I just went, look at the eyeballs ooze out of that boy's face. <laughs> and, and that was judged to be too violent for that hour of the morning, which is cool. But the thing I, I think the thing I'm happiest with in the entire show, other than, uh, other than just that it's it's great fun to do and it's it's a nice excuse to you know bring out the brain that i 've had you know reading old video game magazines for years you know like that I like a video i i like like video game websites are great they they with their up to the minute journalism and their their blog posts and their the you know periodically very very interesting opinions of people but i really I really used to like it when a video game magazine was someone who had what about a month to come up with that opinion, yeah. Uh, I really liked that, or a week, and then you'd get, you know, pretty cutting bits of journalism in print form. And I just, I really liked it back when you could see pixels, you know, like they'd take a 16-bit image and blow it up till it was too big to be on the page. And that, for me, is what a video game magazine looks like, right? Yeah. Yeah. So any opportunity to crank out something that looks like that on video game nation makes me very happy indeed and i don't i don't mean this weird fetishization of 8-bit graphics that goes on at the moment with indie games that that bothers me because they should, 16-bit graphics are absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. you know i want to see more of that. anyway i've got, got on weird, <laughs> weird tangent um oh yeah, yeah yeah the thing that i'm proudest of is that in the episode where we talked about uh Call of Duty with the zombies in the, in the one where you get to have the presidents. I think I said something like, um, JF, John F. Kennedy needs a sniper rifle like he needs a hole in the head. Boom, boom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that that made it through. I was pretty... Yeah. I was- no, it's like Chris Absolutely. said, it is, it is really good to have, like, a video game show on TV that's, like, for us, the older viewer yeah. as well. And it, it, yeah, it, it's very refreshing. Well,
2: that, well thank you. Well, the thing is, well, that's, that's what we want to do. You know, like, there's no, there's no desire to patronise. It's just, you know, here we are, we're talking about these things. You know, and it's good. It's hitting the people that it's meant for, which
0: is good. Yeah, because, I you know, think.
2: we're of the age where we grew up
0: with video games anyway, aren't yeah. we?
2: We're the, we're the generation raised by video games.
0: Yeah.
2: and, and that, Sorry, you go.
1: No, I was just going to Series 4. Um, yep. Oh, that, yeah, that's on, that's on.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm filming it. Uh, yeah, I'm filming that in six days. Six days, Episode 1 of uh, Season 4, which Fantastic. will be Far Cry 3. Uh, that's why that's on my mind. Right, okay. Yeah, we, we've been having a hugely schizophrenic time in the house at the moment, my wife and I, because she... She doesn't like Far Cry 3 particularly because quite rightly she's gone, well, this is just GTA, and it is. You know, Red Dead Redemption completely pulled us in because it's got a rich story. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have a rich story. It's an action movie. It knows it's an action movie. It is, however, absolutely delightful to play, right? It is. Everything about it is, is excessive and fun, and the fact that there's a running joke where the two main male characters keep tapping each other in the nuts... That's very much the feeling of the game, right? And there are some quirky little lines of dialogue and it's all all, lots of fun. And there's just a little bit of justification for why you're doing it. And fuck it, the game's called Just Cause. That's why it happens, you know, Just Cause. That's its entire reasoning. And that's fun. But we're also playing the Talos principle. So when when I'm like, okay, all right, you know, she's like, turn that off. I'm like, it's for work, it's for work. (laughs) When we... When we turn that one off, we play the Talos principle, which, you know, Portal, reskinned, biblically. Mm. Yeah, absolutely tremendous. Everything that I like about immersive fiction, right in one game. And yeah, in fact, I, <laughs> I abandoned her to that to come and do this. So <laughs> <laughs> when i when i get downstairs i assume that her perception of reality will have been altered
0: that's it yeah. forever changed
2: <laughs> yes who knows what she is what is the nature of self what is a soul how do you define a human oh man oh. Yeah. i don't i don't know who it was that first pointed out that that's it yeah i've been, i've been reading a lot of stories lately where they're talking about how you know how can you reconcile the idea that a human is not just a machine right and this this goes on, and no one no one really has an answer. I notice that Philip K. Dick worries about it all the time, but then applies it as an insult in some of his books, on and on. And it's something that I'd I'd never worried about until right now. <laughs> 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 I'm just like, yes, indeed, we are we are a whole bunch of thoughts and processes codified. You're right, yes, and feelings aren't just produced by different chemicals. Oh my God, what
0: <laughs> so. Oh dear. Oh, no. <laughs> well listen, John, you're a very busy guy, obviously, and we thank you for your time tonight. Yes. Um oh, thank you for having us on this ninety minutes with. Well uh, yes you've got you've got a lot you've got a busy 2016 as, as we've I already touched on what's the best way that people can keep up to date with everything that you've got coming up uh,
2: go to the com and subscribe to the mailing list and then yeah anything and also you know like if you go to the live dates on my website and check that out but all of the really important big ones and th- those are the ones that are the most fun for everyone to come to and also the ones that my bank balance will be raised by more people <laughs> attending you know, like uh, you know, like shows in clubs are usually on a set fee. So, do I give a fuck if no one's there? No, <laughs> not particularly. But if I, you know, actually, no, I, I like. It's nice to have a big crowd. It's especially nice to have a big crowd of people who are just there to see you. And that's well, yeah, which is that's that's absolutely magical. At at my shows, it's lovely. Like you know, and we we have people like yourselves. It's just nice to see and see again and have fun. It's great and yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a slight chance. There's a sl- yeah. Oh no no. There's a uh, this this will sound terrible, but I've just realised. I'm like, well, here we go. This is a live podcast. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh bugger! I nearly dropped a secret
0: there. But Ooh. oh well, something's coming. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll let you know if it happens.
0: Okay, keep keep us updated because we will Let's... obviously will we will. Promote everything that you do, John. Yes, of course we will, and it's yeah, it's been and... a great pleasure. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed it, and of course, uh, as me and Chris just touched on, we will definitely be coming and watching you live next year as well. can wait! It'll
2: be good to see. you. Yes. Excellent. well, well I'll tell you what, we'll sing out when you're there. I'll know you on site anyway, but sing out while I'm on stage and I plug the podcast. Oh, <laughs> right, wow, <thank laughs> you. that'll be fun. Well, I may I may as well. Not enough people do that. Like they, you you, you see comedians at the moment in clubs. Like the some of the the young guys and girls finish by being like, Oh, I'm on this on Twitter, I'm on this and then some sort of shit follow related joke. That's the usual <laughs> the usual nature of it. But there'd be something something quite nice about it. just being like, I'm John Robertson, you see me on this, you see me on this, you see me on this. Uh, these boys down there, that's the sixty minutes with podcast. You guys you guys know what a podcast is? All right. Well, let me be here another five minutes explaining why radio's back, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's brilliant. Thanks so much, John. Thank you, Thank you it, it, very it, much. You take it, care of yourself. You, you too. too. Thank you, John. You Happy too. All take right. Bye-bye. Chris, there you go. What was um, going to be 60 minutes, but you know, it's is no new thing to us. We kind of went a little bit over our time and thankfully, John very kindly give us more of his time because holy shit, wasn't that entertaining. <laughs> I,
1: I tell you what, I just, I'm, um, It's a bit like a bit like his live show. It was just a bit of a whirlwind. Just, I had no idea what was going on at the start. I thought, you know, we've been talking for ten minutes and we didn't really introduce ourselves, and 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 it was just as people will have heard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! And then it was like sort of forty odd minutes in, near enough an hour. I was thinking, we haven't even spoken about Video Game Nation or. You know, he's, he's, he's different different um, shows. Oh, wow, you know, but what a brilliant guy, you know. And and I think you know, hopefully, it came across that, you know, that you've got the a bit of everything there. Really, you've got the sort of the, the part of his act. You know, why he's such a funny comedian. You know, you've got the sort of like the the TV stuff. But you've also, I, I, you know, having met him once before. You know, coming through his his the tone of his voice. A nice guy, a genuinely nice guy. You know. Yeah. Um. And I'm – yeah, even though I've seen it once before, I'm definitely going to go next year in 2016 to another one or maybe even two of his shows because it's well worth seeing. They are funny, very funny shows. You know, if you've got an interest in video games, you must go. You really must go and check him out because uh, The Dark Room is such a good show. Um, And, you know, if you've got an interest in video games, Video Game Nation is – A really good show, and and it's all the better for having him on it because you know, when he does his top fives, like he said, he sneaks in his little jokes (laughs) that you know, uh, that other people some will get, some will, some won't, you know, and uh, you know, he's great, he's such a great guy.
0: He is I envy you mate that you 've seen him live because you know obviously my uh inroad into it like yourself was video game nation, and then since then i've gone on uh, online and on YouTube and watched the stand up stuff and all that, so yeah i've definitely got to join you uh, next year, mate and go and watch him live We,'ll have to wear our sixty minutes with t shirts and <gasps> stand and stand up like you said, and then Let him rip the piss out of us.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll be torn, see, because I've got one of his T-shirts that that I bought from him. So what will I do? Will I wear a 60 Minutes or will I wear one of his? Or I could wear both and strip one off. Yeah, strip At the appropriate
0: time. Do it. Halfway through, just strip one off. (laughs) (laughs) That's a date, definitely, for next year, mate.
1: Yeah, it was awesome talking to him, you know. So And and again, for him to spend uh, that extra bit of time. But to be fair, it's his fault, really, because he just went off on one at the start.
0: Oh, I mean, I was literally crying with laughing. I really was. Yeah. It's so good when you get a guest like that. And we talked about it off air, um, even before John joined us on the call didn't we and we were saying you know it, it's great you know you get a hobby like this uh you know we get to chat with people that we really love and admire you know we've you follow the work and that and you get to talk to them and you have such a good time with them because you you said i think you mentioned it at the start of the actual show mate hour uh, and you told him didn't you how nervous you were before we started recording this one
1: yeah and i was i mean you know we we found out about this a week or so ago and since then i've been thinking Shit, I'm going to talk to John. Shit, shit, shit. What, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? What you know, and and all that just evaporated as soon as he, he came on and just started talking, and um, you know, it, it. Like you said, it's a privilege and a pleasure, really, to do something like this and to be able to talk to the people that you uh, you enjoy uh, for the for the what they do and the entertainment that they provide. So this is this is awesome. So I love 60 Minutes with, you know, it's a, it's amazing
0: it's good yeah and hopefully anybody listening to this if you weren't either uh, maybe you weren't aware of video game nation or or john robertson you know if if we've put you on to either or all well and good you know that's another good thing of doing this as well
1: yeah and let us know tell us i mean and, and send john a tweet as well um to say you know i heard you on the show and thought you were brilliant um yeah. hopefully i'm sure you will um and, and tell us that you know is that be nice spread the love because that's what it's all about isn't it at the end of the day and and sharing uh, our experiences and and having fun that's what it's all about
0: definitely mate definitely um so you're listening to this maybe you want to know more that we've done all you have to do go online Go to 60minuteswith.co.uk. On there, there's a contact us form. You can send us an email if you want. If you want to email us direct, you can do that via contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. You can follow us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash 60 with. We're on Twitter, which is at 60 minutes with, And we're on Instagram, which is at 60 minutes with. And as always, all of those are the numerical 60 and uh, not the alphabetical one. Uh, Chris, how can people follow you on Twitter, mate?
1: Um, they can follow me at Jabby. and
0: well j- just go to the website because we've just recently finished uh, your top 10 video games let's tie it in with Video Game Nation mate you just finished your top 10 video games of 2015 we put a review up every day over the Christmas period didn't we?
1: Yeah yeah. that was a lot of fun to write those and we stood me and uh, you know kind of just Reminisce a little bit about the games that I've been playing over the the, the past year and enjoying, and uh, and yeah, it was great seeing them go up. So thank you for that, Dave. Uh, and and I, I, I always bang on about it, but why not? You know, because um, I th- I think it's I'm I'm so proud of the website. You know, for for not just me, for you, for Tina, for Ramrod, for everything that goes up on there. Ramrod has just done a, a Force Awakens Star Wars review, which was amazing. And there's always, I mean, I I looked on the website today. And and as I always do, I go through from start to finish. You know, the very first review to the very last review, just to sort of like you know have a look at them and how they look on the website and and everything else. And seeing how much content goes on each month, there's not a month goes by where there's not at least half a dozen to even ten different reviews of something you know mm. go on there and i think for us for for you know for some literally, you know for people who do this as a hobby and in and you know um spend our own time doing it when we've all got busy lives and jobs and families and everything else i'm so proud of it i really am because it's it's amazing to see how far it's come in less than a year like i said the the stuff the first articles started going up in february of 2015 and to wow. see you know where we are now um, you know uh, it, it's incredible. I love it. I love it so. And uh, but there, please check out the website because it's great.
0: It is. Yeah, it's good. Isn't it? because there's movies, music, TV, video games, all sorts, as well as you know, obviously all the podcasts that we do and everything. And your bloody top ten video games. That, oh, the games on there. There was a couple that had already got and I played like an hour, and because of like hard drive space, oh, I've had to delete it. And then I'm thinking. I need to re-download that and play it again. And then even (laughs) I I text you, didn't I? And it's like, even like a game like Bloodborne that, uh, no, I wasn't interested in. I thought, I'm just going to get annoyed with that. I read your (laughs) review and went, I want to play that now. (laughs) That's it, Chris you're an enabler that's what you are you're a video game enabler a feeder (laughs) that's (laughs) it it. so yeah read Chris's reviews uh, with caution because you may well be uh, dipping into your pockets and buying stuff that you Mm -hmm. didn't think you were going to well thank
1: you and then hopefully next year there will be more retro reviews because I do love doing those but uh, you know with one thing or another uh, you know I haven't done one for a little while but they will be back because I enjoy doing them.
0: Oh, lovely. I do enjoy reading those myself as well. (laughs) There is. Give each other some uh, mutual um, verbal masturbation. We we do some some good work. Yes, come on, why not? We do some some bloody good work. For free. God damn it. (laughs) Definitely. Right. Okay. Another episode done. Um, We've got a lot planned. There's 2016 coming up. uh, This is the last show of 2015. Uh, There's a lot coming out here in 2016. That's all I'm going to say. But until then, whoever you are, wherever you are, thank you for listening. And we'll be back again soon. And from me, it's goodbye. And from you, Chris,
1: it's goodbye.